Hey everyone, Dr. Dex here with another episode of What to Do with a Kinesiology Degree. Today we sit down and chat with Dr. Jessica Matthews, who is an award-winning, industry-leading health and wellness educator. Tune in as we discuss how over the course of her 19-year career in the fitness industry, she has been named the Idea Fitness Instructor of the Year, became an international speaker and wellness expert for media outlets like CNN and Women's Health, and continues her passion for holistic health as the program director of the Integrative Wellness Master's Degree at Point Loma Nazarene University. Hey, Dr. Matthews. Hello, Dr. Dexheimer. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Man, well, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to join me on this little podcast adventure I have going on. Um, I was thinking of people, I'm like, okay, who do I want to talk to? Who has like the most advice, things they've done that they could, you know, speak into students. And I always remember being right next to you and hearing you talk to your students <laughs> um, and I was like there's no one that's done I don't even know like what to categorize Jessica Matthews as with how many hats you've worn you wear and everything like that besides a fitness professional that you know is like a medical guru in health and everything so <laughs> um, I seem busy is that what you're saying Dr. Dexheimer? <laughs> you're busy but you know <laughs> The information I know that you have and the knowledge that you have is just phenomenal. So I would love for you to brag a little bit about yourself um, because I've already been bragging about you to my students. Um, just kind of let them know a little bit who you are, you know, what you've done. So that way they kind of know who you're, who they're, who they're listening to. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for the invitation to speak with your students. Um, it's an esteemed privilege and pleasure of mine to, you know, be able to speak about my journey, but not just to give insight into where I've been, which of course I will in just a moment, but really I do that to give context to really share with students who are passionate about, you know, the broad field of kinesiology, really what's possible in this mm -hmm. field. I always think to myself, if I were a student, you know, earlier on in my journey, what do I wish someone would have shared with me way back when? And so my hope is in sharing my journey, hopefully I can offer some insight into what is possible for yeah. the wonderful students you're teaching. So I, I guess I'll give kind of the nutshell version because as you alluded to, I definitely have had a varied career would be a good way to describe that. But honestly, the, the early onset of my career, I began as a fitness professional. I started mm -hmm. as a, a group fitness instructor, first and foremost, teaching everything from, at the time it was step aerobics and high-low, which might date myself a little bit. <laughs> But I, that journey took me everywhere from, you know, traditional aerobics to, you know, teaching aquatic classes, indoor cycling, um, group fitness has been a huge part of my journey, but also became a personal trainer along the way also became a yoga teacher, really just started to expand into reaching people in, in different capacities. That work really is what led me to ultimately pursue my undergraduate and graduate degrees in physical education. Uh, very mm -hmm. quickly, I realized I loved to combine, you know, education with inspiring people to live healthier, more active lifestyles. Mm -hmm. So that really led me on the trajectory to say, you know what, one day I see myself as an educator working in 
for myself personally, I saw myself teaching at the college level. Um, that yeah. is what I do today. So to kind of give a lay of the land of where I am now, um, I am an assistant professor at Point Loma Nazarene University in San Diego. And I also serve as program director for the Masters of Kinesiology and Integrative Wellness Program, which is a bit of a brainchild of mine, if you will, uh, a program <laughs> that, that really takes a more holistic look at health and wellness. Um, mm -hmm. How I arrived there, my career along the way took some different turns that I didn't anticipate. Uh, after completing my degrees, my undergraduate degree, I actually made a cross-country move to San Diego, been here um, now 13 years, and I took a job with the American Council on Exercise, or ACE, which some of your students may or may not know, one of the leading fitness certification and education organizations. Yeah. I've been working with them for many years, developing educational content for fitness professionals. That's still a big part of the work that I do. But I guess I'll give this little segue along the way as, as my career evolved and I, you know, along my journey, I realized at first I was very intrigued by the human body and I still am. Um, but then I became more intrigued about the human experience, if you will. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to understand people's behaviors, what motivated them, you know, what really inspired people to adopt healthy lifestyle changes and to make them sustainable um, versus people who maybe that wasn't to their path. So that led me to my doctoral work in behavioral health. That's sort of my segue into the medical realm, as you alluded to. Mm -hmm. And I do serve on the research team now at UC San Diego, um, serving in the Centers for Integrative Health. I work as a health coach and also alongside of a great integrative care team on some research studies, really looking at things like exercise as medicine and food as medicine. So that's a really messy version of sort of who I am and what I do. But I think, again, just my hope is to start to plant some seeds of really a lot of really wonderful things that are possible in this field. Yeah. And so, I mean, and that's you hit right on home is like, man, I really that's kind of why I started this. I wish I knew some of the things I knew now or things that I've learned along the way. And like as a freshman or a sophomore when I was 18, 19 and I was trying to figure out what to do. And so I kind of want to go back a little bit in your days as a group fitness exercise instructor, you know, personal trainer and everything like that. You know, what, you know, what does that kind of lifestyle look like? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Great question to ask. And I'll tell you, it can be a, a quite a, a messy one at times. <laughs> uh, the reason I say that is because in the earlier days of my career, you know, teaching group fitness classes, training clients, and this was in many different settings, everywhere from, I worked in a hospital-based wellness center, in community centers, to more traditional, you know, big box gyms, privately owned, you know, fitness studios, and kind of everywhere in between. Yeah. I was traveling between all of these places. So that's where I say it can get a, a bit messy at times, because early on in my career, I was employed as an independent contractor by many different facilities, many different employers. So it was, you know, a schedule that often had me up, you know, by four in the morning, training first clients or teaching a class at 5.30 or six in the morning, and often finishing with my last client or my last class I was teaching maybe about 7.30 or eight o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely, um, you know, it's, it was a labor of love, absolutely. I loved what I was doing. For me though, it was really important 
to kind of look at my long-term career trajectory of how could I do what I loved, but also create a sustainable career doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's very possible. And I share that because even though I'm, I'm sharing what might sound like not the glamorous parts of working as a personal trainer or a group fitness instructor, it was such a vital part of my career growth and development as a professional. Mm-hmm. And I often think quite honestly, If I were to speak, I was already a fitness professional before I was an undergraduate student. And so none of my college professors ever talked about really the importance of things like professional certification, um, starting to gain career experience before you finish, say, your undergraduate or graduate degrees, depending on, you know, your professional pathway. And I would just share, and it's something I offer to my students and hopefully to yours now too, to be exploring those opportunities to already start to work in your field, whether you see yourself being a physical therapist, which might be, you know, still several years down the road, or you see yourself as an athletic trainer, maybe two years out from doing so. There's things you can be doing today that absolutely will speak to your passion and your calling, and that will enable you to gain valuable work experience while really transforming people's lives in the process. Yeah. And so like, you know, going back to ACE, right? Um, (laughs) they have that personal trainer certification and I'm even sure group fitness instructor certifications, there's, there's no necessary like degree or requirement in order to sit for those exams. Correct. Correct. You're spot on. And that's honestly what you'll see kind of consistently across many of what we sort of deem the foundational certifications in the fitness realm. So that's typically your group fitness or group exercise instructor certification and also personal training. So when I say kind of across the board, I would offer this really the leading organizations when it comes to fitness certifications are what I kind of call the big four, American Council on Exercise or ACE, Mm -hmm. uh, American College of Sports Medicine, ACSM, uh, NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine, and then NSCA, National Strength and Conditioning Association. All of those organizations offer a personal trainer certification ACSM and also ACE have a group fitness instructor certification. The requirements is to be at least 18 years of age or older and have a current CPR and AED training. Now I say that in an excited way because it's a wonderful entry point into the field to start gaining some really valuable work experience. You choose, you know, more advanced credentials, other things that, you know, once you complete your degree, you may wish to pursue. Those are always options, but these are places you can get started literally today to be able to start gaining that valuable work experience. Yeah. And and that's not saying, Hey, you know, if you're looking at being a lifetime personal trainer, you know, don't go get a four-year degree because, you know, as you mentioned, and as you've gone, I kind of like to talk a little bit about your growth you know, you mentioned you're that fitness professional before and even during your undergrad and then grad. How did that change? Because I know your career changed a little bit with that fitness professional as you went into your, you know, graduate studies and so on and so forth. Um, What's that kind of look like? Absolutely. And that's such a, a big piece you mentioned is by no means would I say that a degree is not an important part of the equation. To me, the winning combination absolutely is a combination of professional certifications, those credentials in the field, but also your academic degrees. That combination really is what, as you alluded to, allowed me to grow my career in new directions. Mm -hmm. So a couple of examples, 
a big part of what I do actually in my professional work that I didn't mention is I also do quite a bit of speaking in the field. So I speak at a number of different conferences, both throughout the country and actually around the world. Again, things that no one ever told me was possible to do in this field, but lo and behold, there are opportunities to do this. Well, yeah, and you're, a big can, part can you name some of those countries? Because you've been to some really cool places. <laughs> Yeah, I've been I've been a couple. I do. Uh, I spend a lot of time on airplanes. I joke from time to time. Uh, a few places that my work has taken me include Thailand, Italy, and China, just to name a few. That's so awesome. Sorry, I I want I, I want to make sure they know like the things that you're doing are just so epic and cool. So um, sorry. And they're they're absolutely possible. I think that's the exciting part. I say it's not just only things that I can do. They're things that your students can do if they say, you know what? I see myself being a leading educator in this field. Like I want to inspire the next generation mm-hmm. of professionals. It's possible for them. But a big part of that combination, definitely my academic background, huge. So to speak at conferences, um, to be someone, as I mentioned, my work with ACE, developing education in the form of textbooks, online courses, for aspiring fitness professionals, that requires having advanced degrees Mm -hmm. to teach at the college level, which I shared always a college professor was always kind of my career aspiration, at a minimum to begin teaching, you know, at the junior college level, or to begin entry at a university, minimum of a master's degree, usually a doctoral degree, you know, required or preferred for full time positions. Mm -hmm. So those were definitely important pieces of the equation to expand sort of my knowledge and to develop, you know, as a professional through my academic studies. And I'd share this other fun piece of what I do for a living. I actually also do a lot of media related work. So for those students of yours who you know, have favorite magazines or websites they go to, Women's Health, Men's Health, Shape Magazine, those are examples of just some of the media outlets that I get to speak to as an authority on fitness and wellness and definitely to kind of your question you posed, having a combination of the credibility, the deep academic background that I have, along with the credentials and the extensive work experience, that's the combination that allows me to do things like have a morning call this morning with the New York Times. Again, things I never thought were possible early in my career. Yeah, and that, that's so awesome. And the possibilities with everything. And you've kind of kept this you know, that fitness professional mindset while still getting that, you know, you just wrapped up your doctorate. Congratulations, mm-hmm. which is so awesome. Um, and, you know, you've always taken this, you know, we've had good conversations where, you know, we know a lot about fitness exercise. We know that is great. Um, and I kind of want you to talk a little bit about that integrative wellness program, you know, your baby, because you've taken this approach of, okay, we know exercise is medicine, but how do we establish that? How do we get people to follow through and stick with it? And that's kind of where you've been focusing, right? Absolutely. This is the behavioral aspect. So when I use the words like behaviors, it really, to me, was getting an understanding of how, you know, people are very aware. If you ask the average person on the street, do they know that exercise is good for them? Do they know generally what healthy eating would consist of? Most people have some knowledge. So I like to give people credit that they actually have some insight. 
the challenge that we know, though, I mean, we could pull statistics, your students, I know because they have a, a wonderful professor like you, they're smart, savvy people. <laughs> we know, though, the, the rates of chronic diseases are through the roof. Yeah. And the rates at which people adhere to or even meet, you know, minimum guidelines, like the current recommendations for physical activity is dismal at best. I think one in five people currently meet the recommended physical activity guidelines, which are not very, you know, are not a very tall order if we really think about it. Yeah. But this prompts me to say, and honestly, I'll share this little bit about another key piece of really how I got into this field. You know, out of all the array of things that I could have grown up to be, what made me choose this profession? Mm -hmm. A huge driving factor of it was actually the health of my own family. So I come from a family plagued with chronic health conditions. My mom in particular has had type two diabetes for 45 plus years, um, has struggled with obesity, uh, has had you know two cardiac episodes, one of which resulted in open heart surgery. Wow. I mean, name, name a complication health-wise, my mother has encountered it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was early on in my career, I really just honestly wanted to learn about things like exercise and nutrition, selfishly for myself and my family. I just wanted to know how to help the people I cared the most about. Mm -hmm. And then I realized there was a lot of people just like my family who needed help and guidance and support and encouragement. And so I share that because this is the thing, as I learned early on in my, you know, my academic journey, I learned all these really exciting things, just like your students are learning now yeah. about exercise, about nutrition. And I would share them with people like my mom, like my clients I was training. And some of them I'd see make changes. And then people, my mom knows I use her as an example, so it's free <laughs> reign to do that. But I would see she would be knowledgeable, but they weren't actual changes that were sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted to understand the mindset. And I realized I really never learned that in my schooling. My professional credential, you know, training, my academic schooling, I really never learned about how do people actually make these behavioral changes? Because that's the biggest barrier. It's mental. It's not only physical. Mm -hmm. But we know that there's these interconnected systems at play, right? We can't just look at a person, this holistic being in just one small facet or in a silo, if you will. That's the basis of the integrative wellness program is to say, what do we know about health and wellness and how can we impact it looking through kind of a multi-dimensional lens? So we have to understand really how do we impact chronic diseases with what I term lifestyle medicine. That's <laughs> what we're talking about now. Whole food plant-based diet, regular physical activity and exercise, good sleep patterns, stress management. We know these things have an impact on health and can help to manage and reverse chronic diseases. But here's the next piece. How do we help people make those changes? Right. That's the, the winning. If we can get that combination figured out, I mean, talk about what we can do yeah. for the health of this nation and the world. So that's what the students in the graduate program at Point Loma really get a chance to dive into is understanding that side of the coin, the lifestyle medicine piece, but also really the behavior change aspect we get into topics like health coaching, really developing the skills to support that sustainable change. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, because that's that's a huge barrier. And, you know, like you said, if we were able to get everyone to adhere to all these principles, then we'd have no issues on our hands. But that's the biggest barrier that we have to overcome. Um, so how has, you know, your faith impacted you within your profession um, and kind of in your everyday life of how you go about 
doing what you do? My, I would say hands down, my faith has been, as you've seen, my career has taken many different <laughs> twists and turns and it's a, the journey's unfolded in ways I could have never imagined. I mean, my faith has been the guiding light on that journey. There's been so many times, you know, I'm kind of giving the highlights of, you know, as we often do mm -hmm. when we talk about our backgrounds and our accomplishments. So I'm giving kind of the highlights, but there's been a lot of times of challenge, of uncertainty, of, you know, making decisions for my life and really where my career would unfold. Mm -hmm. I mean, at one point in time, I was faced with a really challenging decision of leaving essentially what I had thought was, you know, the, the job I had always wanted, the thing I had worked for so many years to build. And when I arrived there, it, it didn't feel like the right place for me to be. Mm -hmm. And so that was just a, an example I'm giving of, you know, where I really had to lean into my faith. Um, really, I mean, talk about the power of prayer to give you guidance of, you know, how to navigate what's to come next, because there are times we will face them in all facets of our lives. Many things have happened personally in my journey, too, um, that have really just, you know, been those moments in time that have just, I've been tested. I have, you know, really had to lean in and say, you know what, God has equipped me with mm -hmm. certain strengths, skills, and abilities. He has a plan for me. And at times where I couldn't see it, I really had to turn and really look within to say, what am I truly called to do? Even if it was something where maybe I was unsure, I had a bit of fear, there's that normal trepidation of making a big jump or, you know, starting something totally new. Yeah. For me, actually coming to Point Loma Nazarene, I left a, a full-time tenure track position, very secure job, but I really felt this calling to be able to develop the program you and I were just talking about mm -hmm. to be able to really set a trajectory for what I see as the future of the field. And that's felt really scary and uncertain, <laughs> but I really had to trust in my faith that this was the right decision for me to make. And that these are new uncharted waters as many parts of my professional life have been. But if you're always really connected with how you're called to be of service and really what God has equipped you to do, you'll never be led astray, even when you have those times that feel just kind of uncertain or confusing. Yeah. So I, I got kind of last two questions. You know, I, I want to ask about work-life balance. I know you're busy and everything like that. I want to know actually more of your tips of like, how do you balance the busy schedule of international speaking, of teaching of developing programs you know what are your tips because a lot of students you know they'll carry 17 18 units work one to two jobs um, and sometimes it can feel overwhelming um, so what are kind of your tips or even words of encouragement for those with like those busy kind of lives well this is such an important I would argue it's the most important topic because you, you've probably heard many variations of a quote you can't serve from an empty cup yeah. So if we don't care for ourselves, the very work that we're called to do, we won't be able to do, or we won't be able to sustain it or do it well. Mm -hmm. So this is, I mean, it's exciting to me being in the healthcare space when I see things like now the quadruple aim of healthcare it used to be the triple aim, but the quadruple aim, the fourth piece they added is providers to take care of themselves and to have this work life balance that we're talking about you know, in our field of kinesiology, mm -hmm. it's imperative. And it's definitely, I will be fully honest and transparent. It's been a work in progress for me, as I think it is 
for most human beings. Yeah. Like we try to, <laughs> Absolutely. to many responsibilities, wearing many hats. And also when we're so passionate about what we do, it's very easy to become lost in it. We mean well, but we must practice what we preach also. Mm-hmm. I think authenticity is key in our field. If we're telling people, you know, that it's easy to make time to exercise and to eat nutritious meals and get good sleep, we have to practice that ourselves. I mean, it's quite important. So some tips I would offer that have been helpful for me and maybe will be for your students as well. Um, One of perhaps a classic tip, but it's one of those things we might have heard it before, but if you actually started doing it, it would make a big difference Um, is really I schedule in my calendar, just like I schedule my important business meetings, the times I'm teaching classes, all of the other professional commitments I have. I schedule my time for things like my own workouts. I schedule mm-hmm. time to go to my favorite yoga class. I schedule time to you know, have quiet time in the morning. This is something that's evolved for me over the years. I used to take calls, you know, especially media calls, many of which you know, are based on the East Coast in New York. I would be on the phone at six o'clock in the morning, taking media interviews, doing work. <laughs> and I realized for me, the morning time and to have my set morning routine is imperative. Yeah, that's time where I can, you know, get a little bit of a sweat on, have some quiet time. If that's, you know, for a quiet contemplation, prayer, if it's journaling, those I've just realized are non-negotiables for me. Mm -hmm. And I structure my schedule to block off time. So I don't take meetings before this certain hour, or this is a time in a day where it's important to me to make sure I have time to spend with my husband and my three dogs that I share my own. (laughs) But you know, these are all things, again, if I'm talking about wellness holistically, we know it's not just your physical health, but your mental, emotional, your spiritual well-being. And so to me, scheduling time for that, and when it's on my calendar, just like I wouldn't miss an appointment with my boss or a colleague or someone else, I won't miss that time I've dedicated for myself. That's awesome. That helps me too. I was trying to figure out how to balance my time as well. It's a work in progress. It's yeah, but I think that's just one way to me that's been been helpful to just visually see it, to have an alert go off that really just triggers you to say, you know what, it's important to invest in myself. I think we're all worth it. And remember, when we do that, we serve the people we're called to serve in a much more impactful way. Exactly. Yeah, no, um hundred percent. If you're sleep deprived, cranky, hungry, something like that, then obviously we're not gonna be the best version of ourselves for and we work in technically a service industry, right? We're, me and you, we're around students all day. You know, those that want to go into physical therapy, personal training, PA, we're serving people. And if we're not doing that right, then those individuals aren't going to have a good experience with us. Yes, I would say really another term we use, it's that we work in a helping profession. Yeah. That's another broad term used often in the medical realm, but it applies to all of the professions you just mentioned the work that we all do, because we really are called to help people to thrive in their lives. So Mm -hmm. how can we help them to do that if we're not thriving in our own? (laughs) Exactly. So my last question to kind of wrap up, because I might have missed something that was a key point or anything like that. Advice, tips, I know you gave some already um, for those that are pursuing their kinesiology degree. One of the best tips I would give is don't wait until your degree is over to start taking actions towards wherever it is you're aspiring to go on your career path. So I always look at it, the term I like to use with my students or when I'm I'm speaking in different parts of the country or the world, I use the term reverse engineering. And what I mean by that is 
have an idea of the long range plan of where you want to go. So you gave some examples, maybe it's to become a PA or a physical therapist, where you mm -hmm. see yourself, you know, working as maybe a, a physical education teacher teaching K through 12, have an idea of that long range goal. So towards through your academic studies, but then start to reverse engineer, kind of work backwards and say, but what's a one step? And ideally, I love taking action today. What's yeah. something you could do today that moves you just one inch closer? And that's outside of doing the work that they're doing, obviously, in your classes and the other mm -hmm. classes they're in. Because And not to downplay that, that's imperative. But what other things could you be doing? Those could yeah. be things like identifying books uh, outside of the, I know there's already a lot of reading and assignments, but maybe it's a book that just really speaks to you, a short podcast episode you could listen to, a quick article online, but you've got to be a constant learner in this field. So even mm -hmm. school right now, I get it. I've been there. I just finished, as you mentioned, my yeah. doctorate. I'm with you, students. I understand. But you always have to be learning. This field moves so quickly. So I'd say today that helps you to move forward. Other things could be start researching some of those professional credentials that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Things you can do that literally are a key, if you will, that unlocks a door to get you the work experience that will add so much value when you do things like apply to PT school, apply to a, a highly competitive PA program. Mm -hmm. I share this too of being in you know, a role through my work at ACE, I had the opportunity to hire individuals. And I'll just share, you know, one of the things we're looking for, in addition to degrees, in addition to certifications, we also just want to see kind of a well-rounded individual. So could you get involved with student clubs? Could you be, you know, volunteering? Something that maybe relates to your profession. These are just, I'm giving a ton of different ideas, but it's to really show that there's things you can be doing now that really will set you up for success as you work towards that longer range goal. Yeah. Also, don't overlook conferences would be another thing that I realize many students are not often as aware of. Going to professional conferences, being a part, you know, be a member of these different professional organizations where you get things like great content sent right to your, you know, your inbox, where mm -hmm. you get special discounts for, you know, different learning opportunities. But these are things, again, you can start today. And that's what gets me really excited because you don't have to wait until all of your schooling is done to be doing the work that you're called to do. Well, yeah. And, and the idea, I like your idea of doing something because, you know, a lot of us will, will wait until our four-year degree is done. You know, we served tables. We did what we did could do to make a buck or two, right? Um, but there's opportunities to actually work within our field and that, and actually make money doing it um, without the four-year degree at the start. So I think that's huge. Absolutely. One of those things, too, that when your degree is completed and you're going to apply for those jobs that maybe are your longer range or your dream kind of jobs, yeah. you'll have such a wealth of experience already. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what's exciting to me. And, and I can now at this point in my career say I've been working in this field for almost 19 years. And that's I've learned a lot along <laughs> the way. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. Well, Jessica, or Dr. Matthew, excuse me now, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down, talk and chat. Um, this information is just huge and vital for students to hear. So again, just thank you so much.
Absolutely, Dr. Dexheimer, my pleasure. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak to your students. And please do feel free to share my contact information with your students if I can offer any additional insight to support them on their respective journeys. I'm happy to do so. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Dr. Matthews. I will talk to you later. Thanks so much. Bye. Right, bye.